Good morning. How you doing? How you feeling? My name is Tony, and welcome to the morning show here on the Labor Network. It is Sunday, September 24, 2023. Super happy to see you all here on the weekend, which we normally don't do, but we know that you might have been looking forward to seeing us on Thursday or Friday, and you didn't, so this is a little bit of a treat and a special edition. As you know, we were just visiting in D.C. for a couple of days with the Fired Up campaign, part of Unemployed Workers United, so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that because I rewatched my video that I made at that crappy Fairfield Inn on New York Avenue in D.C. Don't stay there. Uh, they just renovated. The rooms are fine, but the internet's terrible, and you all need internet, so don't don't do it. Uh, don't don't stay at that fair. unless you have to. Yeah, that's fine. Like I had to, because it was the only place you could find a cheap room. Uh, so, oh well. But with that in mind, as we do every morning, because we are broadcasting live from the capital of the Confederacy, Richmond, Virginia, we're going to start with some Richmond news. We're going to see what's going on. In Richmond, because we're usually disappointed when we find out that all of it is junk. But, you know, what are you going to do, right? So we're going to head on over to Richmond.com and see what's going on in your city. First thing we notice, as always here on Richmond.com, lots of ads. They don't want you to see any real stories. They just want you to get ads. As we know, Richmond.com. Richmond Times Dispatch. The building is at 300 East Franklin in downtown Richmond, owned, of course, not by a newspaper company. You would think the newspaper would own their own building. They do not. Owned by Neil Amin. Neil Amin of Shameen Hotels. You know, hold tight. We're going to make sure that you can see this closer <laughs> while I read. Uh, Neil Amin of Shameen Hotels, who fired me for organizing hotel workers. Yeah. So just remember, that's who owns this building with the newspaper. Oh, Doug Wilder, Governor of Virginia. Historically, black colleges and universities have long been underfunded, but why? That actually seems like a very legitimate article and probably one worthy of your time to read. Uh, University of Richmond. University of Richmond. Really? University of Richmond. I've only been a couple times, but it seems like the whitest school possible. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, you know what? Look at that. Actually, a decent article on Richmond.com. Wow. Shocker. Who exactly is doing the indoctrinating in public education? Public education. Scary place. I, I'm very grateful. I got private education all of my life. Uh, I'd be terrified to let the goofball, you know, elected people write my children's curriculum. Scary idea. Um Another reason you got to hold these people accountable, right? Casino ballot. My goodness. What do they need to know? Here's what you need to know. Don't listen to any media or tell you about this damn casino. You have to use your brain. Put on some common sense and think, gee whiz, you know, uh, what does a casino bring? Well, unless it's bringing guaranteed union jobs, which I do appreciate that point. Uh, but unless it's doing that, it's bringing junk. Um, leave this poor lady alone. She just wanted to have sex. If I could vote for her, I would vote for her simply because they they treat her like shit. Every person running for office is trying to have sex. Usually they're doing a bad job of it. Um, leave her alone. Um, rainfall. Yeah, we knew there was rainfall yesterday, and we have eyes and ears. Hmm. 
Hmm. Well, all right. Excuse me there. Still got a little bit of the sniffle. So, you know, again, um, not much going on Richmond.com, although better than usual. We have to say, we have to admit that that was really better than usual. Uh, yeah, I haven't shaved either, so we're going to get that camera back off because we don't like it. <laughs> we're going back to that one, although I do need to sneeze again, so hold tight. Yikes. So, uh, you know, not the normal junk that we see in Richmond.com. That was a little bit better, a little bit better. But we know, not really real news there. The, you know, the casino maybe being the only one there. And again, um, you know, I understand, you know, Unite here's point of it's guaranteed union jobs. And is that a bad thing? Probably not. Um, not with a union in place that will make sure that people are getting sort of what they need and deserve. Uh, but if not, casinos do nothing but bring terrible things in your community. Come on, use your brain. You ever been to a rich part of town with a casino? No, you have not. Have you ever heard of a rich town that has a casino? With the exception of Las Vegas, you certainly haven't. Casinos go where the poverty goes. I don't know what to tell you. Um, here at the Labor Network, you know, we want you to change your vibration, right? We want you to start thinking and acting like these rich Ivy League snobs to get the life you deserve. Uh, and people like that, they don't think to themselves, gee whiz, I can't wait to put a casino in my backyard. They just don't. But if you want it because you want to have good union jobs and you know they're going to be guaranteed union, I get it. So you got to do what you think is right on that. With that in mind, let us do uh, go over to some more real news, as I would like to say, and suggest uh, maybe from some folks who actually care about people. So uh, let us pull in some of that. Give me just a second here. Do, 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 do. I've lost all my stuff. All right. So another, another shout out to our friends. We highlight them almost every day because they've got great news. Our friends at the Teamsters, the Teamsters support Amazon workers and demanding real wages increased. So this is from September 21, so just a few days ago. You can see here, um, I don't know where this quite is, but I'm guessing from the article, hopefully in California. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a Washington, D.C.-based article. Again, you can read it if you want. We'll link to it. We always link to it. These are talking about uh, in Palmdale. And I have some friends from Palmdale now, so it's really that really made me happy. We had um, our friends with Unemployed Workers United. We had our friends Brandon and Michael with us this week, and they're from Palmdale, Amazon. And I think they're from the Dax 8 station. So uh, I want you to, you know, <laughs> they can tell you all about it. I'll show their pictures in a little bit. Here's the article. Uh, here's the paragraph I liked. Amazon's wages remain far below the industry standard and package and package delivery and warehousing industry. UPS Teamsters, including full-time and part-time workers, organized the national strike threat this year and forced the company to raise minimum warehouse wages by $5.50 an hour and the average top pay for Teamster drivers growing to $49 per hour. My coworkers and I just overwhelmingly ratified the best contract in our industry with more money, benefits, and protection, said Bill Amon, who works at UPS and is a member of Teamster 728 in Atlanta. Again, I think it is very important that we always share these articles. Teamsters doing a great job of taking care of real people in local smaller businesses. Remember, this is not just about, you know, hundreds of thousands of drivers, which you know there are hundreds of thousands of drivers, but they take care of these folks at the local level, right? 
sorry for the sniffles, and that's why you always hear them talking about the locals, because these are, I, you know, I, I know from my friends, 84 drivers, right? So, you know, it's these places that add up. They add up to 300,000 plus drivers. So it's really important that we see that Teamsters will fight for you at the local level, not just at the, you know, larger level, right? So they do it in both ways. And so if you're at a work site and your work site is like, well, you know, not that many people, right? Like when I worked in hotels, our hotels could have, you know, maybe 15, 20 people. Some of the bigger ones might have 50, 60 people. You know, that's normal. And the Teamsters help people. And, and so do all the major unions. You know, Teamsters Unite here, SEIU, the ones we show all the time, AFL-CIO, they help people at their sized offices. And I love that. Because the odds are that if you're one of my hotel workers at Shamin Hotels right now, so I can't do this, sorry, I'm a goofball. If you're working in a Shamin Hotels, and you know, it's Sunday, this is the hardest day for you to work, right? We know that. Everybody's checking out on Sunday. Usually they're leisure guests, not business. So the rooms are shit. They're covered in pizza boxes, Uber Eats. Uh, the kids have destroyed it. Oh, it's it was Sunday, so people are partying on Saturday night, right? everybody's fucking people that they shouldn't be fucking in a bedroom on Saturday night at a Shamin hotel. That's a true story. And then the gals have to clean them up today. So the board probably has 20 something rooms on it today. It's probably more than that. It's probably really hard and it sucks and you're underpaid. And so I just want you to know that the folks like Teamsters or Unite Here or these other unions, they will help you at the individual hotel level. They're here for you. They're here to take care of you. So let's, again, I want to share more about uh, our friends there. Although before we do that, where is my bag here? We got to, you know, we got to vibrate. It's a Sunday. So hopefully it's Sunday. Hopefully most of you went to church today. I go to church on Wednesday. So I didn't go this Wednesday. So shame on me. And sorry for the sniffles. Um, shame on me. I need to go to mass, but I don't know that I'm going to go today. Maybe, probably not. Probably go Wednesday. Um, but we will pray. We always pray with good vibrations. Today, we're going to use this pyrite, kind of phony gold crystal. Maybe this carnelian. I like that carnel, kind of like carnelian red. I think technically this was supposed to be carnelian red. Uh, because whatever, you know, little little tidbit back, the red of Cornell University, it's the same red that Andy Warhol used on his Campbell soup cans. True story, carnelian red. So... We are vibrating good vibrations. We are saying, universe, we are going to vibrate into a life of health and wealth. We're going to get organized. We're going to stand up for ourselves. Maybe we're going to form a union. Probably we're going to join a union. Form a union and join a larger union. That seems like a good idea. Again, sorry for those. My new mic really picks those up, so I apologize for that. Need a little warm bevy here, a little warm beverage from our Deer Valley mug. Deer Valley, where all the rich white girls go. Deer Valley. I showed you the Vuv Yurt at the montage the other day. Nutty place, nutty place. You don't think these companies can pay you more? Trust me, they're sending their top people like me to Deer Valley. Ridiculous. Insanity. All right. So let's do another article from some people that, you know, really do try to help working people. And that is our friends at Unite Here. Love them. Uh, pretty recent article from them. If you're on the radio listening to this, this came out September 18th. As you know, uh, not too long ago. Now, this is about Richmond. So, Union launches massive political canvas to flip the House 
and win good jobs in Richmond. So we love, love that because it's local. So we love local. We love local. In fact, I bumped into them in, in Richmond. A bunch of them were in the uh, park, Libby Hill Park, Libby Hill, Chimborazo, Chimborazo Park. I bumped into a bunch of them there. So again, I'm not going to read this all out loud because I want you to do that yourself. And again, I know that, you know, I tell you all the time, you don't need to watch the news. The news is always the same. There's people with power trying to screw you over. They have social, financial, and educational capital, and they're using it to hurt you. That's what they do. I don't know why. All of them have plenty of money. I mean, they all have more than they'll ever need. They don't spend it. I told you, Neil Amin, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, has a shitty car. It's shittier than mine. His wife drives some bonehead normal car. Their house, yeah. I mean, their house is bigger than anybody, any working person like you's ever seen, but compared to my fraternity brothers and other rich kids from Cornell, my goodness, this house is nothing. He doesn't even have real art in it. I find that very offensive. Uh, but I love this. So, you know, this is great because what Unite Here canvassers have already knocked 35,000 doors, projecting to knock over 215,000 by November 7th, closing of the polls, uh, supporting the folks that they want here in Richmond. Uh and again, not shocker here. I mean, they mostly want to put, you know, elect Democrats. I get it. I mean, I can't can't imagine voting for a Republican ever again in my life. Although I did for a long time. You see my McCain Palin up here and my, my Trump. I voted for him the first time, not the second time. Kind of stopped voting. Although I think I'm probably going to vote again. Or I did. As I say, if you know the candidate, try to get out there, meet the candidate. Uh, see if they've earned your vote. But you should definitely vote. Go vote. You know, stand up for the people that are trying to fight for you. Um, and again, a lot of these orbs, they will give you lists of people that they like and that they have met and that they have vetted. So if you are like me, right, sometimes in life, you don't have the time to get to screen everyone and everything. So you've got to trust people that you trust, right? Uh, very popular in elite networks. That happens all the time, right? Um, so I love that. You know, that's that's how people do it at the top. So uh, I have no problem if that's how you want to do it in your life, right? If you trust Unite here and you trust that they would support and endorse the kind of candidates that would fight for you as a hotel worker or otherwise, um, go with them. Why not? You know, I probably would. Uh, and again, I vote because, you know, I actually do try to get to meet the candidates. I try to figure out who they are. As you know, we spend a lot of time looking at the House, which we'll do a little bit at today. Maybe just three or so folks. Um, you got to vote. So, you know, our friends, Virginia Interfaith, they're like, get 100% congregation voting. Vote. And vote. I mean, look at common sense. Do you think a Republican's going to try to help you out if you're a working person? Absolutely not. Come on. They're not. I don't know what to tell you. Are the Democrats great? No, they're pretty crappy, but they're better. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, as I learned from my little trip in D.C., I mean, these folks exercise some power. It's not great, but uh, you all give it to them. So until you all become, you know, people like me and go, this whole thing's a scam. I guess we're all going to vote. Uh, we might as well vote for the people that care. And it's pretty easy to figure out which ones do and which ones don't, right? Um, so think about that. All right. Well, as I said, today is a special edition because we did spend a lot of time in D.C. And I was a little, not, not upset, but naturally discouraged with our Thursday morning production of the show because it was done from that terrible fairfield and with no internet. Uh, I cannot believe that a Marriott product like that that is renovated would be allowed to have such shitty, shitty internet. So whoever, whoever 
from Marriott brand team, Fairfield team, I guess, came in. Between that and their BSA, whoever passed them, you did a bad job, and I can't believe it. And uh, to the management company at that, Sharkon, I looked at their thing. They look like they only have cheap hotels, which means they're probably a HOA kind of people. Probably they're cheap, uh, you know, cheap, cheap Indian Ahoas, cheap Ahoan Indians, probably. But uh, couldn't tell. We'll have to look them up. I doubt. I doubt that they're a white person company. White people don't tend to own such shitty chains of hotels. Uh, Fairfield and no internet, that's why my show was bad. But with that said, I do want to spend some time really going through our adventure in D.C. And then we'll take a break and then go back to maybe some more articles. So I'm going to go get changed while I am doing that. I did have a little funny video to share. Uh, my friend sent it to me. Ricky Ricardo, my friend Ricky, went to Cornell. We showed you his picture the other day from Slope Day. Ricky Ricardo sent this to me because Ricky knows that I took six years of Latin in middle school and high school. Ricky knows that I got a perfect score on the national Latin exam when I was in high school. And now I don't remember any of it. So (laughs) terrible for me, right? I'm just terrible. But let me show you this little uh, Instagram reel while I get change so yeah isn't it a dead language nope myth people just think that because all the words revolve around death it's actually an alive language conicervum what is conicervum slave dog what the hell what's your favorite cicero quote and how do you think you'll be assassinated wait how do you say my favorite color is green in spanish it's mi color favorito es el verde yeah agricola cerwum in proileo nacat that's how you say the farmer killed the slave in battle oh how do you guys say the farmer killed the slave in battle I don't think we learned those words. Arde bis in inferni nisi pecunium. That's uh, that's you will burn in hell if you don't have a lot of money. And why'd you take Latin? You know, if you wanted to like be a priest. Do you want to be a priest? No. It helps you on one section of the SATs apparently. So looking forward to that. If you wanted to be a doctor, maybe. Is it like the medical terms? Yeah. You know, like some of the words are like, ba- they're all English words. They're all English words, but they're based in Latin. Is it good for if you travel? No, it actually doesn't help at all. That's where you would, that's where a Spanish, right? Or a French would come in. Maybe if you time travel. That's sort of the thing. Like if I were to visit ancient Rome, mm-hmm. then it would for sure come in handy. I thought people don't speak Latin anymore. Yeah. Isn't it a dead language? Nope. Myth. People just think that because all the words revolve around death. It's actually an alive language. Canis serum. What is Conicervum. Slave dog. What the hell? What's your favorite Cicero quote, and how do you think you'll be assassinated? Wait, how do you say my favorite color is green? In Spanish, it's mi color favorito es el verde. Yeah, agricola serum in proileo nacat. That's how you say the farmer killed the slave in battle. Oh. How do you guys say the farmer killed the slave in battle? I don't think we learned those words. Are they bit?
share this if you had it Before we get going, we're long for the story about how we should take part of the
I just realized that I didn't have my mic on, so we're going to do all of this over again. It's not a big deal. Nobody's watching live anyway, so I will cut it, edit it, and we'll do it that way. Uh, I'm still learning, so I apologize for that. So uh, just back. I'm in my fired up shirt here. We're getting fired up. Let me, uh, let me do this again. So I'm back from getting changed. I'm in my fired up shirt, Unemployed Workers United, fired up campaign, right? Um, before we get into that, I, I read a verse from the Bible. I read here. I'm going to show it because I'm not I'm disappointed in myself for forgetting my mic. That's, that's, that's life. 
So remember, John 18, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom were of this world. My servants would be fighting so that I would not hand over the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Right. Um, So what was Jesus saying here? Uh, Jesus was telling all of us to chill out. It's going to be okay. You're not from this place. This is you're a divine spiritual being going through an earthly experience. Right. This place is not what's real. Uh, You're just kind of visiting here on Earth. You get a body. This is your body. But you are not this body. If you're somebody like me, you're like, hell no, I know I'm not this body. It's brown, and I'm not brown. I'm a white girl. You're like The parts aren't even right all the time, although I'm definitely a white guy half the time, too. So you get it. The point is this. You've been here before. You know, you might be a working poor person this time, but don't worry. You've been a rich person before in other lives. Uh, you probably had many, many other lives. You chose this life of strife. It might be a little harder to be a working poor person or working person. Uh, But don't worry, because you can control this life through your vibration. You are not from here. This is just an earthly experience. When you die, you will go back to the source. You might come here and do this again, right? That's the wheel. That's samsara. You know, you've lived many, many lives. The Buddhists are always trying to tell you that, you know, all life is suffering. So why do you keep coming down to this place? Live a good life. Fulfill your dharma. And then escape the earthly realm. But hey, sometimes we love the earthly realm, right? Sometimes we love being down here. We love cheese. We love people. We love going out to eat. We love sex, drugs, and rock and roll and all that good stuff. So, you know, again, uh, I get it. Um, But again, Jesus is telling you, like, dude, chill out, man. Like, oh, you know, you're going to be all right. You're not really from here. You all think you're from here. You see this physical shit. It's all manipulated light. If you were a physicist or you understood quantum physics like I do, um, yeah, I'm, and again, I'm only six-sevenths of an engineer, you would understand that this is all just light. It's all an illusion. It's all samsara. So everything we're always discussing, everything we do, just remember to take a little bit of a breather. It's going to be fine. Worst thing that's ha- going to happen in your life is you live your life, then you die, and then, you know, well, you don't die. Your body dies. You do another life. It's fine. Um, or hopefully you make it to a higher form of existence, something that some people call heaven. But that's neither here nor there. But you got to remember that as we start to get into these serious topics. So, again, just a reminder before we go into talking about our time in D.C., don't get too obsessed with this D.C. and politics shit. It's not as real as you think it is, but it kind of is. But, you know, you're not of this world. Just kind of chill out here, right? All right. With that said, we are going to move over to Unemployed Workers United Instagram to remind you about what we were doing in D.C. So I do have my mic. I am recording now. Thank heaven. We've got some wonderful people here. We've got Brandon on the right. Then there's me, Miss Sylvia. This is Congressman Greg Kassar. We're at his office. Greg's a cool dude. I like him. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in how much I like him. I got to tell you, it would be easier to just dislike him, but hard to do that. Uh, and then we've got Miss Zilali over here. Although she goes by her middle name, Miss Elizabeth. So I might call her Miss Elizabeth just because I'm still trying to do a, a better job at pronouncing her name. So we were visiting DC. All of us, as you know, have been retaliated against for standing up for our rights. Mine's a little bit different. I'm trying to help workers organize. Uh, again, that's rare. You never see anybody like me trying to do that. Uh, so I'm weird. But these folks, you know, these folks definitely have stories that I think a lot more people can relate to, right? So Brandon and his friend Michael, they are 
truck drivers who were contracted with Amazon. We read about them in the Teamster story a few minutes ago from Palmdale, California. They work in 130-degree trucks. That is insanity. I can't believe that anybody makes them work in that level of heat. They're going to die. They only get two bottles of water from Amazon. It's insane. And when they tried standing up against Amazon, Amazon terminated the contract that these folks were using. So very similar in hotels. You often have hotels that are owned by one person, right? But then they use third-party uh, contracting to get the workers. And they can just end that contract, and all the workers have nothing to do. And it's very disgusting, uh, very American idea here, this joint employer nonsense. And it's just a way for companies to be able to treat people like shit, right? Lyft and Uber do it. Uh, same model, so nothing different there. And then these two ladies, you know, were sitting in, in Greg's office, and they're sharing their story, which is heartbreaking. Uh, I shared a little bit of their story on Thursday morning, but as you know, the audio was really bad. So just um, heartbreaking, terrifying story where these ladies here worked at a COVID testing facility. And they worked at one of those tents that were outside where you would roll in and get your COVID test and then roll out. That way you didn't have to go inside anywhere and you could be, you know, safe, right? Um, but while you were doing that, these ladies were forced to work, terribly unsafe conditions, no PPE, not getting paid what they should have been getting paid, the company stealing from them left and right. That's horrible. That's bad enough on its own. I mean, that's bad enough on its own. These were people that were essential workers, like my workers. You know, I went into a hotel every damn day during COVID. Uh, never took a remote day. And none of my workers did either. All of us in the rooms, cleaning your dirty rooms. Why are any of you staying in hotels? Trust me, you were there with doing things that you weren't supposed to be doing. Let me just leave it at that. I love sex workers. They're some of my favorite people and they are exploited. Uh, but I saw more, you know, behavior during COVID. Than, I don't know. It was bad. And you're just putting my workers at risk every day doing that. You don't give a shit. And you're putting ladies like this at risk too. And, you know, they got sick. The families got sick. Uh, one of their colleagues that's so sick, she had a miscarriage because they were just passing COVID around left and right and getting underpaid and overworked the whole time. Here's the part of the story, though, that just boils my blood and I don't even know what to do. When these ladies went to their boss and said, hey, we're not getting paid, because they got paid per test, which not even sure if that's a, a correct model. Uh, folks are looking into that. Uh, we think they probably were cheated in that way as well. But these ladies, when they said, hey, you know, we're, we're missing a few thousand dollars from our paychecks. This is this is wrong. It is illegal. Uh, you have to pay us for what we're worked. Right. I mean, Tony Miller, me, I've never had an underpaid paycheck in my life. Are you joking? I'm a Cornell fucking. I'm seven, eight, six, seven, whatever of a Cornell engineer. I look at my paycheck every Friday when I worked hourly. I knew to, you know, within a dollar of what it ought to be. So, no, uh, not at all. Never an issue for me. Right. Because I have I have some privilege here. A lot of it. These ladies don't, and they're cheated all the time. Kim Bobo at Virginia Interfaith talks about wage theft all the time. In fact, you're going to meet one of our friends, Miss Miss Betty Hung. Miss Betty cares deeply about wage theft when I looked her up, and so I, I know that that's happening. But when these ladies spoke up, the boss threatened to burn down their houses. The boss was in a gang. He threatened to kill these ladies and burn their That is insane. They threatened to burn these ladies' houses down. Are you joking? That's nuts. Unacceptable.
unbelievable. I cannot believe that that happened. I cannot believe that these ladies were threatened with their lives for wages that amounted to what an iPad costs. Unacceptable. These people need to be stopped immediately. Uh, Insane. I cannot tell you how furious I am about that. However, I have to admit that when we're sitting in Greg's office, he heard them out. He listened to them in Spanish. These ladies spoke a mile a minute in Spanish. I don't know any Spanish. I know Latin. I should know some Spanish, but I don't. Shame on me. Bad boss. I know I am. Greg listened to these ladies in Spanish. She really fucking pissed me off. I was like, you know, this ding-dong congressman, he's not going to give two shits. Uh, He's in a shitty office. True, if you look over in the upper corner of his office, he had some damage there. That would never have flown in my hotel. I would have gotten a maintenance man in there a million years ago. But uh, he's young. He's 34, so they probably gave him the shittiest office. The true story. Um, I expected to just be treated like, you know, whatever. Get a handshake, take some pictures, say you care. That's not what happened here. Uh, Greg listened to everything these ladies had to say. He spoke to them in their language, which is shocking. That, that just blew my mind away how much he cared to do that. Um, I mean, he literally had a vote to go to and you, he like jumped out of his desk and ran to it. He gave these ladies as much time as he could possibly give them. And I know that they were heard and I know that folks like Greg are going to work for us, um. So that was that was disappointing to have a congressman actually care because normally, I, you know, I think they don't. And I will tell you, most of the other offices we went to, you know, we just got the standard, hey, how you doing? We care. And then you'll never talk to us again. So uh, my, my expectations were very low and, you know, they were kind of met. But Greg really, motherfucker, that guy actually showed up and cared. So, damn it, we got to reelect Greg. We got to get Greg more into office. We need more Gregs, right? Uh, so that that was sort of the highlight, I will say, was having somebody actually care about the retaliation we faced. True story. All right. So that was just part one. Though. That's just part one of our time here in D.C. After we spent some time on the Hill, we spent the next day at the Department of Labor. So this is a really interesting uh, experience because you know you think about it and you think these government departments this cabinet it's kind of all baloney right it's in dc do they ever ever think about people that aren't in dc i lived in dc i grew up outside dc so i kind of skeptical of most of these folks right um government even at its best it moves very slowly so even when you have good people that are in there and i will say it does seem after having met a bunch of them that they do care Big hearts in the Department of Labor building. Again, uh, very great to see that. Uh, I wasn't shocked to see that. You know, government employees care. They're underpaid. They're overworked. But the people at the top, that's when I get a little skeptical. And, and as we know, a fish rots at the head. You know, the only thing that matters is the people at the top of any organization. We read that in Donald Trump, Art of the Deal. Remember, it was our first day. We read Art of the Deal. And Trump couldn't get anybody to listen to his idea about the failing Commodore Hotel. Couldn't do it. But Trump told you what I've learned. Fish rots at the head. You know, go to the guy or gal at the top. So what did Donald Trump do? He picked up the phone and he called his old friend Lee Pritzker, right? He he said, Lee, Lee, I've got a brilliant idea. Lee, get your fat ass out of here from Chicago. I'm going to reflect the Chrysler building on the failing Commodore Hotel. And it worked. You go to the person at the top or at the tip top, you know, they will help you. Um, 
I tried to be like that when I was at Shemin. You know, 3,300 people. I, don't know, I was probably top five kind of guy in terms of getting shit done. And people knew that they came to me. You know, I always had low expectations. I'm like, listen, we're going to try. You know, no promises. But um, when you are closer to the top, at the top, that's when you can really get things done. And certainly, if you're at the top, that's it. You know, even when I was at Shemin, right? I couldn't, I couldn't do much for people. Uh, not the big things that mattered. But the guy at the top, Neil Amin, and his dad, they fired me for organizing. But they're the ones who could. So, you know, we went to, we went to labor. And we actually did get to meet with a lady at the top. And it was surprising. So I want to share that story and our little adventure about the Department of Labor. Now, so the first thing we're going to do is remind all of you what the cabinet is. Um, so there's your boy, Joe. You love Joe. You're like, he's the president, most powerful person ever. I don't really know about that, but whatever. You all love him. I mean, I'm not going to convince any viewer here that, you know, government's kind of a kind of a kind of a scam, <laughs> especially at the larger levels. But whatever. You all worship the president, right? You think the president's the most powerful person ever? You agree with that? I don't personally think that, but you do. Um, you love love them. You love everybody in here. You're like they're powerful, man. That's the cabinet. So who, who's that over here? Uh oh, we're gonna find out. But that's the cabinet. You love the cabinet. You think, oh, the cabinet, they're powerful. They tell the president what to do. Powerful people, right? All right. You love the cabinet. So here's the cabinet. Hmm, lots of secretaries and whatnot, right? Well, one of them you'll see is the secretary of labor. Now, if there's any cabinet position I like, it's probably the cabinet, <laughs> the labor department, you know, fighting for working people. And who is this? Oh, it's an ad. Yes, ABC. We love ads. We love ads. Thank you so much, ABC, for putting on these ads. Well. This is President Biden. You love him. Powerful person. I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. I'll never meet him in my life, but uh, I've heard that he's a genuinely good parent and nice guy. Anybody that had to cheat his way through Syracuse law, I mean, come on, let's give the guy a break. He made it to be the president of the United States. He couldn't get through Syracuse law. Have you ever been to Syracuse? Not a bunch of bright bulbs up there. Great people, though. Great people. Willis Carrier, Dome. Willis Carrier, inventor of AC founded the Carrier Corporation in Syracuse, New York. Of course, he wouldn't have been able to invent AC had he not learned engineering at Cornell University. That's right. But, anywho, digression. Julie Sue, Secretary of Labor, with your boy, your boy Joe. Wow, wow. Secretary of Labor, cabinet-level position. Big deal. Big deal, right? Formally, you know, her boss is Joe Biden. That's pretty cool. I will say that. So that's Julie Sue running the Department of Labor. We're going to go back to her in just a minute. All right. But the Labor Department, let's make sure we understand a little bit about the Labor Department. Okay? Department of Labor, cabinet-level position. I'm not quite sure what anything on their flag means. Anvil's assigned for working people. I know that. Now, because it's a government building, <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> but the Department of Labor, indeed, is based here at the Francis Perkins Building. Francis Perkins, as you may or may not remember, First female Secretary of Labor under President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Roosevelt, the last good president you've had. Uh, I love Ronnie Reagan personally, but Ronnie, not, not, good, for, not good for working people. <laughs> not good for most, uh, but I love Ronnie. But truly, if you think we're the last president to do good things for human beings in a transformational way that really said, hey, what is government all about? Of course, it was President Roosevelt. Um, 
nobody liked President Roosevelt except for maybe President Lincoln or President Washington. And President Roosevelt appointed a very, very pro-labor lady, uh, Frances Perkins. You should read about Secretary Perkins. She's great. And they named the building after her. And that is where labor is based. And I love that. Um, except that it's a sad building. But that's government. Again, in New York, great buildings. Uh, but I want you to see this here. All right, look at this. 16,922 people. 16,922 employees. 14.6 billion. That's a billion with a B dollar budget. So, yikes. I just... Uh, I want you to think about that for just a moment. So you might be thinking, well, yeah, Tony, that sounds like a lot, but what is it, right? One of the things I always tell you all is that you don't understand magnitude and you don't understand scale and you don't understand, you know, you're like, I know math, I know math, I'm so good at math, I passed math. So you're like, I know what 16,922 is. It's 16,921 plus one. I know math. <laughs> and you do, uh, but you don't. So, you know, you might be thinking, right, what is $14.6 billion? What is 16,922 people? So, for one, I just want to remind you what $14 billion looks like. Take your checking book, right? You probably, you're like me, you might have $1,000 in there at the most. If you're like me right now, probably have a few hundred because I'm, you know, I'm poor. I'm a working poor person because Neil Amin and Shameen Hotels fired me for organizing hotel workers, right? So my checking account looks like nothing. I don't know. I probably have $500 in my checking account right now. So on the bottom, you would agree, that's my shitty $500 in the checking account. Julie Sue and Labor Department, $14 billion. That's a lot of money. Big money, right? Big money. All right. Now, what does 16,922 employees look like? Well, here's a question you might ask, since all of you are sports fans. Is there a stadium that could fit that many people? Let's think about it like that. And so I want you to look at this list here. These are some athletic stadiums in the United States. Some of these are pretty close to 16,900. I've actually been to two of them. Isn't that crazy? Coming in at 16,800 is Roy Stewart Stadium in Murray, Kentucky, home of the Murray State Mustangs. Or maybe they used to be that. I thought they were the Murray State Mustangs. Well, it doesn't matter. I only went there for one night when I was with Hilton Corporate. And then there's another one, 17,000, Robert K. Kraft Field at Columbia University. So that is really what it means to understand math, Right. When you start understanding math, you can say things like, wow, 16,900 people, that's like the size of Blah Stadium. Hmm, okay, now, you, now you're speaking to me in a language I know. So if you're the Murray State Mustangs, uh, Murray State and Murray, Kentucky, go to the Keg Restaurant. If you are in Murray, Kentucky, I don't know why you would be there, uh, but go to the Keg, great restaurant. I mean, other than you know, the kid goes there, but I went there when I lived in Memphis. I had a Hilton QA visit at Murray Hampton Inn. Great place. Steve Katz, general manager, or Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Yeah, I think that was his name. Good manager. Good guy. I don't know if he's still there. That was almost 10 years ago. So 16,922 people. Imagine this entire stadium filled up. That's how many people work for Julie Sue at the Department of Labor. 
perhaps you don't understand uh, Murray State because you're like me. You're like, I don't know what Murray State is. Never been there. I'm an Ivy League snob. Excellent. So am I. In which case, there is another. Uh, this is very typical for an Ivy League football stadium, right? There's nobody in it. Nobody wants to go watch an Ivy League football game. We're all terrible at it. <laughs> but actually, I have been to the stadium to watch a Cornell. <laughs> I love it. This is so great. This makes me so happy. This is Columbia University, but they are taking on the Big Red. Our boys, the Big Red at Columbia University up here in the city of New York, way, way up in Spanish Harlem. Uh, so imagine, you know, this is an Ivy League football game, so there's nobody watching. But if Julie Sue said, I want to pack all my people from Department of Labor, it would start there and fill up here. So that's a lot of people, a lot of people that she is the boss of over at Department of Labor. So just a reminder, there's Julie. She's got a lot of people that work for her. A stadium, Columbia University Stadium filled of people that say, hey, Julie's the boss, Department of Labor, baby. All right. So just something else to think about, Department of Labor, right? Here's all the shit that they handle. Now, you can't read this because my uh, monitor, you know, let you. So I'm going to zoom in a little bit. But um, again, I like that. And, you know, sometimes people end up with the jankiest websites. So .gov, you know, it's legit. Um, agencies. Here we go. Here's a, here's a way to look at it. So, you know, you're thinking she covers all this shit, right? Uh, Bureau of Labor, employee benefits, employee training. Uh, OSHA, yeah, you all know OSHA posters in your workplace. Julie's in charge of OSHA. Workers' comp, Julie's in charge of workers' comp. Wage and hour, are you being cheated by, by your folks? Is you should have gotten more in your paycheck? Yes, you should have. Wage and hour, that is Julie at labor. So I love that. Lots of important things going on. Uh, disability, differently able people. That is all, 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 all of it. Department of Labor under Julie Sue at the Francis Perkins building. So you might say, well, Tony, we don't care. You know, um, Joe Biden's the president. He runs the government. And honestly, we don't care. Labor's not even that close to D.C. Bullshit, right? There's the Department of Labor building, the Francis Perkins building. There's the White House. You would agree the White House was powerful place in America. You love the government. You're like, yeah, the White House. That's where things happen. Okay. I can't convince you differently, so okay. There's the White House. There's Julie Sue's office at Department of Labor. Now, Julie, you know, much like me in D.C., we're not going to take a car to get places. <laughs> not that short of a distance. It's longer to drive than it is to walk or hop on a bike. So if Julie hopped on a bike 1.5 miles, that's not it. That's not far. 1.5 miles, that's nothing. 1.5 miles, an 11-minute bike ride? Are you telling me that Julie Sue over at Labor, she can go get on her bike and say, Joe? We got a problem with labor. I got some people that are being cheated, and I need to talk to you about it because Joe's our boss, right? It's important to talk to your boss. It's important to uh, connect with your boss regularly. I know I used to have regular connects with my boss, right? Um, so true story. Julie can hop right in here, hop on her bike, and go see old Joe and say, Joe, we got to talk. We got to talk. So I love that. Really, truly is uh, right near the White House. True story. All right. Well, what's next? Now, let's talk a little bit more about what's going on at labor. Again, you saw 12,000, I mean, a lot of people, <laughs> just 16,922, 16,922 people. Wow, what does that look like? Well, I made a little example. 
for you because I love you. This is my imaginary phone book. I used uh, an AI tool to do it. A little, I used ChatGPT. So, you know, ChatGPT. So I built, this is how many people, you know, imagine these phony numbers and emails. Look at that. Look how many people this is. 16,000. Look at all these people. Look at all these people. My goodness. You know, phony phone numbers and email. 16,922, uh, right? Now, that's a lot of people. Remember, fish rots at the head. So if you go to Department of Labor, you can click on Leadership Team. In fact, we're going to do that right here. So we hit Contact the Department of Labor. I want to talk with the top people, right? Well, how do we find who the top people are? Well, we know the secretary. That's Julie. But who's on the leadership team? The leadership team is very important. Remember, 16,922 people. Okay. We're going to do the math, not the meth. We're going to go back to the math board. We're not going to do meth. You want to do meth? Watch Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Great show. Complex, rich characters. Again, I was the shameless plug to one of my fraternity brothers. My big brother, his dad, did the cinematography on the show and was a director sometimes. Beautiful show. Violent and powerful without being gruesome and gory. That takes a lot. So I want you to see this leadership team. We're going to do the math. The leadership team, this first thing is one, two, three, up, oh, vacant. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. Eight people. Eight people. That, that makes sense, right? When you've got 16,922 people, you know, eight people to run the show, I mean, that's, that's fair. You're, you need people, right? You know, I, I was a Shameen, and I, there were 3,300, and our executive team was about I don't know, a dozen or so people, 10 people, and I was kind of, you know, number five or so. So if we do the math, we want to see, you know, how, what's the percentage, right? Imagine your high school had 16,992 people, and you were number eight or above in that in the class, right? That's pretty good. So we're going to see what that is. If you're number eight out of 16,992, how up at the top are you? What percentage are you? Woo! Look at this. So if we convert this into a percent, which we just do by multiplying by 100 and adding a percent sign, here is, oh, my marker fell. Uh-oh. You know, at the top eight, you are in... The 0.047 percentile, which means if you are at the 0.04%, because you're the top eight people that we just saw listed there, what's another way to think about that? Well, what's it? what does this mean if you're the top? If you subtract 100 from it, right? <laughs> so we can do that quick, but we're going to do the real math. So, you know, just think about that, right? You take 0.047 from the very tip top, and that means that those folks that we just saw, they're in the 99.95% at the top. That's it. They are the top dogs, okay? 99.95% of people in the Department of Labor rank lower than those people we just saw, okay? That's just how, you know, it's government, man. Everybody's got a rank and a pay scale and a grade. It's kind of like the military, but, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like the military. We'll leave it at that. So just a reminder, these eight folks we saw on this leadership team, they're there, the tip, 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 top. All right. So you can imagine what it must be like to meet and to have somebody at that top, top, top come and talk to you and tell you that you matter. I 
think that's really, really important. And with that in mind, I wanted to share a couple of pictures and talk to you about our time at uh, the Department of Labor. <laughs> Hold tight. Hold tight one moment, please, while I get this set up. So this is us at the Department of Labor. That's my friend Sylvia, as you recall. Sylvia fired for standing up for her rights, and they threatened to burn her house down. Are you crazy? Crazy. And this over here on the far right is our friend Betty. Betty Hung. Now, um, remember, top, top, tip, top people. Did I not just tell you that we've got some tip, top people? Right? So I want to remind you real quick. There's Betty. Look at that. Betty's right there. She's tied for like number three. Betty's a big fucking deal. Big fucking deal. Okay? And so I think it's really important. I'm going to share that picture with her again. I think it's really, really important that you see that. Betty chatted with us, invited us into the building, and told us that at the Department of Labor, workers like us who have been retaliated against for, for standing up, whether that means organizing, demanding our wages, whatever, you know, we know that there's at least 50,000 people every year getting fired or retaliated against for standing up. Betty told us that we are a top priority at the Labor Department, and I believed her 110%. Betty spent time talking with me afterwards. Uh, Betty cared a lot about us, and, you know, it means a lot to have somebody that high up at the Department of Labor, at the Francis Perkin Building, saying, you matter. She told these ladies that they mattered. She shook her head in disgust as we told her about the terrible things that owners and employers have done to workers like Sylvia and Miss Elizabeth and Brandon and Michael and even me, right? So I think, um, again, pissed off, Betty. You fucking pissed me off, girl. You know, I thought that government's just full of a bunch of people that don't care and that never, ever take time to speak with real people. But I was wrong. Got to admit when you're wrong. Top dog at the Department of Labor. Top 99. Top 99.95% top dog came down and talked with us, met with us, and gave us her time and told us that we, the workers, are important at the Department of Labor. Wow. Wow. Big deal. Big deal. Okay. So um, I also want to talk now. I'm going to go back. As I said, we go back to Julie and, and Betty as well. So I'm going to turn this conversation into an idea about opportunity cost. And this is what stood out to me uh, more than anything as we connected and met with these, these wonderful people. Um, Betty and Julie both have had the opportunities, you know, in their life to make a lot more money, okay? Um, here's something you don't understand. I looked them up 
after we met because I didn't know who I was meeting. You know, I don't I don't come prepared for these things. Uh, I'm not here to you know be a sycophant to anybody in government. Um, and as I told you, they work for us. They work for you. They work for me. So I expect them to kind of put on uh, put on the show for us. And I think that's important. But, you know, we are human beings. We have to be mutually loving and, and, and respectful towards one another. So I thought, you know, when this lady, Betty, came all the way down here to talk to us, um, I'm going to go ahead and learn about her. Right. She took some time to learn about me and my shirt, labor.gay. She loved my labor.gay get up. I learned about her. So Betty. And so let's go back to Julie. <laughs> let's start with Julie. And then we're going to go over to Betty. I just can't can't believe this. I'm just, I was so blessed. You know, you think about some of these folks in government, they don't get paid very well, even at the very tip top. I looked at what Julie Sue makes as secretary of labor, nothing. Every, every single one of my fraternity brothers, every single one of them, my pledge class makes more money than her. She's the top of the government, right? They pay her nothing. They pay her nothing. She's right under the president. She gets paid nothing compared to my buddies. Now you might think, well, that's fine because Julie's just a government employee and maybe she couldn't have done any better in life anyway, so maybe she hit the tip top. No. Uh, we're going to show her Instagram in a moment because I loved her story and it made me happy. Wage the... Fuck. Read her entire profile for Julie Sue. She's a bad-ass motherfucker, and I'm very proud that she invited us into her building and let us meet with her top dog, Betty. But here's what matters to me, because we talk nothing on this show about... We talk about elite education more on this show than any other program out there. She is, this is the only, there's two things I needed to know about Julie. One's from her Instagram and one was from her profile here. She is a graduate of Stanford University and Harvard Law School and began her career with a Skadden Fellowship. Sue speaks Mandarin and Spanish. That tells me more about her than most of you ever think, you know, tells me, I know more about her than most of you do because of that statement, but it also tells me a ton about her. Julie? could be making a lot more money. Julie went to Stanford and then Harvard Law? Are you fucking kidding? Let me tell you what a girl graduating from Harvard Law, uh, September, so we just had some young ladies graduate Harvard Law back in May or June, I don't know when the graduation date is ex exactly. They are making, in their first job, 25 years old, 25 years old, that girl, a girl graduating from Harvard Law yesterday, a few months ago, she is making 300 grand a year. She's only gonna make more. She'll be a millionaire by 30. She'll be a multi, 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 multi millionaire by 40 partner and whatnot. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Never having to work a real day. I mean, yeah, a lot of talking, a lot of computer bebop do this. Um, I get it. Not only that, here's something else you don't understand that I do. And again, I am different than every fired worker you're ever going to meet. See here where it says she started at Scadden? You don't know what Scadden is, but I do. Skadenarp Slate Marin Flom is the number one mergers and acquisition law firm in the world. At least that's what they'll tell you. And here's something that I know about what Julie and Betty have given up in their lives. Because not only did Julie go to, you know, two of the best colleges in the world, her friend Betty went to two of the best colleges in the world, too, when I looked her up. Betty went to Harvard. And then after going to the best college in the world as an undergrad, Betty said to herself, I'm going to go to the best law school in the world. And she went to Yale. So, um, you know how I just said Julie out of Harvard could have made that, you know, a girl graduating from Harvard Law making 300 grand. If you graduate from Yale Law, you can make that much or you go go work at the Supreme Court and then make a million dollars afterwards being a consultant of some kind. You don't appreciate how much money you don't appreciate how much fucking millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars Betty and Julie could have right now. 
You don't know that because you don't have any friends that went to Harvard. You don't have any friends that went to Stanford. You certainly don't have any friends that went to Harvard Law or Stanford Law. So I, from the bottom of my heart, I'm the only worker that's ever going to appreciate what these ladies have given up opportunity cost-wise to support workers like me and my friends Brandon and Michael and Miss Elizabeth and Miss Sylvia. Insane. I'll never be able to express my gratitude because those gals should have been multi-multi-millionaires by now. Now, Tony, how do you know that? How do you know that that's true? Well, this is where I get to be, you know, we, we're not going to have to read the sun. Although I'll tell you, if we did read the sun, uh, gosh, are there any people in here that have Harvard or Yale graduate degrees? Oh, there's got to be. Columbia, definitely in here. A lot of, definitely. I'm trying to, NYU, Columbia, off the top of my head. Uh, but I guarantee you there's a Harvardian or a Yaley in there. Right? And this is what makes, um, you know, you all different than me. And why I do this program to help understand what it really means to be part of these elite privileged networks. Right? So, true story. When you think, gee, have you ever met a girl that went to Harvard Law like Julie? Yeah, I have. And so I understand what it could be like. I understand what it's like for Julie to have given up a very, very lucrative career. Oh, boy. I can't believe this website is still around. We certainly will link to Tony and Emily for sa.blogspot.com. Terrible website name. Should have, should have um gotten a, a URL shortener, but it was 2009, so who cares? So as I told you, I ran for, I was vice president of the student government, right, at Cornell. You've seen my binder a million times now, my McCain-Palin binder up there, uh, but what you have not seen is this crappy website. This is Emily. Emily ran for president, vice president of the student assembly. I ran for president. We lost. We lost by a lot. We got our asses kicked. Things worked out for Emily. After graduating from Cornell, Emily got a nearly perfect score on her LSAT. Uh, the most, you, the highest you can get is a 180. I think Emily got a 178, maybe. She is one of the smartest girls I've ever met in my life. She is clever. Uh, I don't, haven't talked to her or seen her in many, many years, but um, I don't know. She was one of the brightest girls I've ever met in my life. She's just awesome. And Emily went to Harvard Law. And then Emily has now gotten married. I think she's hopefully making a lot of money to pay off that Harvard Law debt. Uh, I get it. You know, um, Emily is just like Julie in that way, right? And uh, Emily came from very humble backgrounds, too. Not like Julie's, because we're going to show her video. I just loved it. I loved it so much. Um, I just want you to know that, you know, this is, a, this is my way uh sort of talking about these these folks is you know i think about them as people because again uh all they are is people um if you think that they're anything more than that you treat them like they're greek gods it's ridiculous they're just human beings but i do think it's important that you know you think about where they come from and whatnot so i loved this video uh this this post and then she did a really cool video and i'm going to share that too so this is from Julie Sue's Instagram. You should follow her, at SecJulieSue. It's verified, so I think this is the right one. Um, both of my parents are immigrants. My mom came to the United States on a cargo ship because she couldn't afford a passenger ticket. Unbelievable. If there is absolutely somebody you want to be in government, 
It's the person whose mom came over on a cargo ship. That is the person you want. You do not want somebody else, okay? You want somebody with real background. So I like this video too from Julie. What was your first job? Well, my first job was waiting tables at a restaurant. Awesome. Did you think it was a good job? I thought there were good things about it. I made good friends. I got to work with good people. I learned a lot. Um, I also saw how service employees are not always treated with the dignity that they deserve. You know, you could be treated one way as a, just someone on the street, right? Perfect stranger. But once you strap on an apron and come up to someone's table, sometimes people see you really differently. And I also saw how people in the back of the house who were overwhelmingly Latino workers uh, struggle even more than they should have to. How? Awesome is that she worked tables. I tell you all of this all the time. I've worked service. I've worked the front desk for many, many years. And people treat you like shit when they walk into a hotel. Julie's point's the same point. You're probably a great person like before you walk in the door, but something happens to all of you guys and gals and everybody in between when you walk in the door of one of our establishments in service. You treat us like we're bozos and that we're not nothing. Um, and that we are nothing. And Julie understands that. So holy shit, to have a secretary of labor who understands that, that's somebody you want. That's someone who's going to fight for you. And that is why she said, I'm going to send my top dog, Betty, down here to listen to you. We care about you. We love you. So I, um, you know, I just cannot help but, uh, but show a lot of love to Betty and Julie, we, we just love them um, for coming down and chatting with us and telling us that, you know, they cared about us and um, that we matter to them. So, I, you know, and, and again, what mattered most to me is that these people aren't just bozo bumpkins from the government. You know, these are, Betty could have, Betty could have been making millions of dollars. She went to the best school in the country. Ever, you know, at the time we, we talk about elite colleges and I talk about, you know, the fact that once you're at the tip top, it's usually pretty the same. But honestly, there's a little secret exception. And that's the very, very, very tip top. You know, the Holy Trinity, right? Harvard, Yale and Princeton. It, it, there's nothing like Harvard, Yale and Princeton. There will never be anything as long as I'm alive or you're alive like Harvard, Yale and Princeton. And this lady went to two of them. Um, you don't know what that's like. You don't appreciate what that means. You don't understand that this lady could have been making gadzooks billions of dollars. And instead, she's she's just, you know, not, right? Um, in fact, here's what you don't know about <laughs> Princeton University. <laughs> so this is a picture of me and my buddies, right? Uh, my friend, we'll call him, we're going to call him, I don't know. We'll, we'll call him something. Uh, Brad. <laughs> so Brad over here, he went to Cornell. But uh, going back to Julie's point, Julie's story, yeah, I'm tying it in here. This guy over here, who is the same person as you might see in this picture. You can see he's got his Cornell sprint football shirt on here. But Brad, there's Brad. Brad also went to Columbia Law. And after Brad went to Columbia Law, one of my best friends, gosh, I've been on numerous continents. This is St. Lucia. Been in numerous countries with Brad. I've known Brad since I was 18 years old. I've known his wife. They met Donald Hall freshman year. Known her since I was 18 years old. Uh, their kids, you know, is at their wedding. Um, 
Brad, much like Julie Sue, worked at Scadden Ape Slate, Scadden Arp Slate Marin Club. And my friend Brad over here is one of the top billers ever. Top, in fact, he was top biller, I think, a couple years ago at Scadden, making fuku money. Of course, he's the top biller, never spends any moment of time with us at vacation because he's always constantly working. But you know what, Julie? I know you. I know you gave up a lot if you worked at Scadden because my buddy Brad here, he's still there. Maybe he'll be a partner one day. Lots of stories, right? Um, and to Betty, oh, this is also us at Princeton. Just to show you, these kids and these networks, yes, do they go on to make millions and bajillions of dollars? Yes, do they go and do great things with the world? Sure. But also, they're nothing more than a pack of dumb drunks. Uh, this is all of us on Ivy Council at Princeton University. Princeton University, one of their oldest libraries here. And when we got there, I was driving. Thank God I was the designated driver because I probably would have drunk too much. So as we're driving from Ithaca to Princeton, we played this game called Yellow, where anytime you saw something yellow or heard the word yellow in the song Yellow by Coldplay, you take a drink. Uh, yeah, rolled into Princeton, very drunk. Madonna blaring from the windows of my Chevy Impala, to which the Princetonians who picked us up said, oh my, that must be the Cornell delegation. There can be no doubt. And sure enough, it was the Cornell delegation. Uh, no doubt. And finally, another funny picture. Two, one, one funny picture. Uh, to Betty. Betty, this was the first time I went to your uh, alma mater, at least your law school alma mater. This is me the first time I went to Yale. There's our friend Ethel. You know Ethel, Fred and Ethel. They're best friends with Ricky Ricardo. Uh, Fred and Ethel. This is the night. I, this is the night I met Ethel. Ethel stole a bottle of Smirnoff vodka from a windowsill over here, and I was like, "Hmm, I like this girl. We're going to be friends for a long time." And then here, of course, at Yale, great little reminder: Connecticut law states that you cannot drink if you are under twenty-one. Yale, same place uh, where George Bush, John Kerry, and a bunch of your other favorite presidents went to school. In fact, Betty went to Yale Law. So did Bill and Hillary Clinton. So you know what? Betty could have had a future like them, but instead she's fighting for workers like me and Michael and Brandon and Sylvia and Elizabeth. So you know what? Wow. Cheers to Betty. Cheers to Julie. You could have done a lot more with your life. And instead, you know, you could have done more. You could have made more money. You could have had more prestige. Instead, you're helping out people like us. So we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Wow. That was a pretty long rant, but uh, I think it's really important. You know, we saw what it's like to meet people in government that actually care. It's few and far between, but it really does happen. Awesome. With that in mind, before we get wrapped up here, uh, just a few more articles and reminders, maybe. Um, we'll do one more piece. Hold tight here.
All right, and we're back. You know what? I'm just going to keep things simple here. I know we're already at a lot of time, so we're just going to do a couple little fun bits, and then we're going to go home. So as always, our word of the day, we got to do word of the day, lionize. Lionize. To lionize someone is to treat them as a person of great interest or importance. So you might just say, uh, <laughs> we lionize our good friends, Julie and Betty at labor. We love that. Um, to lionize, to treat them with good importance, great importance. Well, you know, I think that they are. Uh, here is where we're going to end. Final note, because again, we believe heavily, heavily in art. We think it's important that we're not just, uh, you know, living here to live, right? You got to enjoy this place. Uh, you're not from this world, so you got to enjoy while you're here, right? We're all going, we're moving on. We're divine spiritual beings. So the last thought of the day before we go is again, shameless plug, follow our Instagram, labor.pains.show uh, for the Labor Network, where you can see we did a little Joan of Arc series when we were at the National Gallery of Art, which, by the way, if you looked at the map, is right next to the Francis Perkins Building. So that's why we were there. Hello. Uh, so the Joan of Arc series, you know, Joan of Arc, very powerful girl, uh, truly a soldier of God, Joan of Arc early 15th century, an illiterate French peasant girl. So certainly she would never have had education. She would not have known how to create complex sentences and talk about her faith and power, faith in God and the power of God, right? However, God inspired her. Joan went to war and, and won the Battle of Orléans. She's the maid of Orléans. She uh, prophesied a powerful sword that would be sent found. I mean, she did a lot of cool shit. Um, and Joan won, right? And Joan helped the, the people... In the house of the, she helped the house. Uh, I think she was fighting for the house of Armagnac. I think I don't remember exactly. Um, she helped frame the war in the context of religion, right? She helped people remember that this was a war about God, and you either were the people fighting on the side of God or you were not. But 
because she's a girl and they never thought, you know, any girl could be this smart or this powerful or connected to God. They tried her and they killed her. True story. Joan of Arc. So you should read more about Joan of Arc. You should go to the National Gallery of Art and watch the Joan of Arc series. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to say goodbye for now. This is Tony and Cheer coming to you live from Richmond, Virginia. Special edition of the morning show here on Sunday, September 24th, mainly to talk about our time fired up with unemployed workers united, uh, our visit to Greg Kassar's office in the Department of Labor and our time on the Hill. We hope you enjoyed hearing about this from us, and we will see you all again tomorrow morning, hopefully around 730 with a more normal edition of the morning show on the Labor Network here at TLN.1. Uh, we love you. We can't wait to see you again tomorrow.